Praise God. Fantastic. Right. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. On a Sunday, on a Wednesday, and everybody else, I can see people smiling. Yes. So, um, you know, when people come to church and they're smiling, you know, the Lord is good. Amen. <laughs> right. So, Shanice, it's good to have you back. Right. I know you've uh, traveled all over the world. You've been to the Asia Pacific. You've been to everywhere. Right. So, let's talk about, uh, later we'll talk about how your trip went, what you saw, you know, the, the places where you saw Jesus, you know, all those you, you share with us. And um, if you did any business deal, right, um, well, even I don't preach tight on offering, but uh, it's be good to bless, be a blessing to me too from those business deals. I need some money to do the gospel. <laughs> Amen. I mean, to preach the gospel. Amen. Praise God. I hope we had a wonderful week. And to the online church, Good morning, guys. Um, I have not had a Bukun's voice this morning, right? Now that they're here, Tinella's voice this morning. So um, they must be in spirit because when they, we are wet, we've been talking and teaching on the Holy Spirit, so they are becoming more spiritually sensitive. Amen. Okay, you guys better get your pen and your paper and talking to the kids because I'm going to ask questions after the service. So, um, so if I didn't get to say good morning to you, no, we didn't have a chat this morning. Doesn't mean. Uh, I won't find you. Amen. Praise God. Let's uh, say a quick word of prayer before we get into the world this morning. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for another opportunity for us to come together as a family to learn uh, from you, to be inspired, to be built up, to be edified. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for we know that today will be further strengthened and will grow in our knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So last week I started talking about ten reasons why you should speak in tongues. So if you guys didn't watch, did you did you watch the message? Did you see it yet? You want to go and see it, right? Uh, I'm, I said see like it's a movie. Yeah, it's kind of a movie. You enjoy it, right? You should, you should watch. You should listen to yes last week's message. So yes, last week I was only able to cover five points. So today I want to cover the remaining five. Then pray with you guys. If anyone wants to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost or they want to be strengthened in it. Amen. Before I go into before I get into it, when I was preparing for this morning, something that the Lord struck my heart with is um, is about lies and deception. And um, it showed me a picture of how fierce the battle is against lies and deception. And it was encouraging us this morning that also to, for me to encourage you guys. To be ready to to be encouraged in standing your ground against lies and deception, you know. I was in I was at the city center yesterday, you know, just talking to people about the gospel, and I was speaking to uh, two teenagers. And um, at some point, I had I had to, by the word of knowledge, call out the real struggle in their heart. Uh, these guys were these kids were were Muslim, you know, from Muslim family, and as I was communicating the gospel to them, they knew because one of them said. Jesus is God, right? I said, yes, Jesus is God, come in the flesh. Right? So I could tell, I could see struggle, I could see things happening. But I know their main struggle is the fact that their parents are Muslims, but they are Christian. Are you trying to convert us to Christianity? I said, no, no. And that's why I said, let's go behind what happens behind the scenes of the Muslim faith and behind the scenes of the Christian faith. I was born into a Muslim family. You know, all my everything. I've been in the Muslim family, been a Muslim thing for probably close to the first six years of my life. I can't remember, right? But I have a Muslim name which I've eliminated. Amen. Praise God. Right. And, you know, so all kind of stuff. My mom was going to the mosque, you know. I can't remember seeing my daddy go to the mosque, but I know, you know, my mom's parents, my dad's parents were all Muslims, allergies, allergies, and stuff like that. So, you know, they're very much into it. So I've seen, the, I've seen that side, and I've seen the side of Christian faith. And I can tell you that the Christian side, and, I, and I'm careful how I say the Christian side, because I don't want to look at, people to look at it from side to side. But the Christian faith is a real life. Because in the, in the Islamic faith, you know, it's about, uh, it's more of works. You know, there's God, we believe in him, we pray to him, and stuff like that. But in the Christian faith, it's bringing you into relationship with the Father. Those kids couldn't call God their father. Like we sang the song this morning, you're a good father, we have been given the right to be called a child of God. Anyone who is not in Christ Jesus cannot confidently say, I am a child of God. And, you know, they may want to dispute it. And I can ask them questions. Can you, 
kind of, um, I don't want to use the word feelings, but, you know, okay, let me use a, a parent-child here, for instance. Now, you don't feel, you don't always feel like this is your mother, but you know you have a connection that this is your mom, right? You get it? So it's not, it's not that you woke up one morning and you feel like, okay, I feel like a daughter today. Tomorrow I don't feel like a daughter. But you know there's a connection. Even on, your, on some bad days, you know this is your mom and there's a connection there. Now, nobody, anyone who is outside of Christ, anyone who is not born again, cannot confidently say they have that connection with the Father. Right, so everybody will say, you know, everybody will say, I'm a child of God. I'm a Christian. I'm like, you know, and that's why I say to people that Christian faith is not something I will preach to you. It's something you will experience. Right, you have to experience it because it's a new life you receive when you give your life to Christ. You just know something is different. And everyone I've led to Christ told me immediately, there's something, something happened to them. Not a feeling, but something happened to them. Amen. So I could see those guys were really struggling because uh, of, you know, their, their parents and stuff like that. And uh, besides that, some other issues that popped up while I was, uh, you know, as I was speaking to them, all were centered around lies. And even as pastors, too, we struggle with some lies and deception, you know. Someone like me have to learn to be very bold and very courageous in standing for what I believe because I remember somebody was reaching out to me, and they mean well. I'm not, not even one, but a few people have reached out to me. And there's this mindset of, you know, you're just starting, you know, some things you need to, you should do to bring people in, blah, blah, blah. And I had to make people understand, I'm not here to make numbers. I'm here to raise people. So I'd rather have 20 people who are healthy and can go out and transform the world than I have 500, 1,000, and we are called a popular church. No, no, that is not the mission of Jesus. Jesus in the book of John uh, shared his message, his purpose with the people. You know, he talked about the fact that the, the people who have to believe in him, but he put it in the context or in a, in a form of, you will eat my flesh, drink my blood. And a lot of people got, thought he was talking about cannibalism and they left him. Over 5,000 people, over 5,000 followers of Jesus the guys that he fed the day before left him. In today's ministry, in today's Christianity, a pastor will probably commit suicide when 5,000 members stop coming to church. He gets to church and the Holy sees uh, Shanice, Jasmine, and a few people, and the rest have left. But that's not, that's not the purpose of Christianity. That's not the purpose of ministry. Amen. So uh, that is me trying to even connect with you to say, you know what, well, sometimes we do have struggles because people tell you all my now stuff, but we just choose to hold on to what we know is true. The, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So if truth brings freedom, what does life brings? Bondage. Amen. And bondage is in various form. And when we talk about bondage, I'll get into my message shortly. And when we talk about bondage, let's look at it this way, enslavement. So anything that does not allow you to be free to be yourself, to be who God has called you to be, is controlling you. You know, if you feel you have to always dance to someone else's tune, you know, if you cannot be free around certain friends to, you know, to do what is right, it, show, it tells you that somebody else is controlling you. And God does not want anything to control us. Amen. Praise God. So last week, getting into reasons why you... Every believer should speak in tongues. Uh, last week I talked about um, when we speak in tongues, we speak divine secrets. Yeah, we speak mysteries, secret things that the natural human, uh, human, uh, human being can conceive. We speak the mind of God. We speak things that are not, uh, you, I will speak things that you won't find on Google. Let me put that way. Some serious business, some spiritual things that you won't find on Google, you won't find on YouTube. You, speak, you call them out when you speak in tongues. Well, that's on a light note in, in, in a sense, though. Uh, and I said speaking in tongues, when we speak in tongues, the Bible tells us that we edify ourselves, we build ourselves. You know, another word for that edification there means to charge. And it's not an emotional charge, it's a spiritual one. Another one is that uh, speaking in tongues helps us to be consciously, continuously aware, uh, continually, continuously conscious of the of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And as I said, that speaking in tongues, you know, helps, helps to eliminate selfishness in our prayer life, 
right? You know, you would not only be praying for yourself. Uh, you know, when some sometimes when we ask the kids to open pray, uh, <laughs> to open the service to give opening prayer. I know one of the things they pray about is that there will be no technical issues. I'm like, who told you with all these technical issues here? <laughs> and uh, if, if, you, if you allow them to, to spend more time there, they'll probably pray for their mother, pray for their dad. And um, kids need to be trained, how, taught how to pray. Else they always pray for myself, my mom, my dad, my friend. But there's a lot of stuff to pray about. There's war going on in Ukraine. Some people have been killed and stuff like that. We need to pray for those guys. You know, sometimes the Holy Ghost always going to call those things out. I find myself praying against some, uh, some, some evil works that, uh, that some, some Chinese government were doing. At some point, I didn't have a clue to it. I don't have any business in China, but praying in tongues wanted the Lord cause certain things, and I was praying for uh, certain people in China and things like that. Amen. So uh, praying in tongues help us to, you know, you call out the mind and the heart of God. Things beyond what's actually happening in your immediate environment. Amen. Okay, let me add a little bit to that because I, maybe someone is listening to me. You know, praying in tongues will help you not to pray for your husband, for a husband or a wife alone. And that's for single people. So many single people, when they wake up on Sunday morning, as they go to church, Lord, my husband, I meet him as I go. Really? Praise the Lord. Lord, I pray, this year I am getting married. Not every enemy in my father's house that is against my marriage. Lord, to, really? Maybe you want to go and speak to a lot of married people and see the issues going on in marriage. Some of you guys, you know what? You are better off being single than being married, to be honest with you. But, and this goes back to what I was talking about, lies earlier on. But you've been lied to, to making you think that marriage is, is all you were created for and all, you, all the problems in your life will be set to when you get married. Uh, they've lied to you. Because when you get married, your problem just started. I don't mean the bad way, but yes, to a very much extent. Because you have to leave the person. You have to understand them. You have to learn to walk with them. You think you know, sometimes the person you are dating, you think you know them. Uh, even sometimes people who live together, they think because they've been living together before they get married that they know the person. No, I'll give you under five years. You start seeing some manifestations and you'll be thinking, where did this attitude and behavior come from? Even myself, not, I'm not talking about negative things and what I'm about to say. Some things about my wife, they've been there for, I think I started seeing them after six years. And I was like, you didn't know this? Like, I just kept quiet. Right? So marriage will not solve all your problems. You were not created for marriage. Babe, what do you say? You said drop the mic. Is that how you put it, right? So when I drop, when you, when you release a bomb, a mic drop. So I say mic drop. Someone say drop the mic. Lord, help me. This is for, right? So... I repeat, you were not created for marriage. You were not created for marriage. You were created for God's purpose, to do what God has called you to do. You were not created to have a boyfriend or to have a girlfriend. Girlfriend and boyfriend is not the end of life. It's not the goal of life. Amen. And you were not created to have friends. Young people, listen to me. Because some young people, if you don't have friends, like they don't have a life. It's a lie. Many of these you friends, they bring evil and negative things into your life. So what's the point? I think we need to start learning to teach children to be okay with just only one friend. And even if you don't have any friend at all, be okay to have a relationship with your family alone and be happy. Because I, I know it was a strong thing. It was an easy in my life to when I was in secondary school back in Nigeria. You know, you just want to, you see a group of guys together, you know, gather together and there's so much, a particular person is having a lot of attention and you just, sometimes you just feel like being the center of that attention, but it comes with a lot of problems too. Amen. So I, those, are, those, are, those I feel things I feel in my heart to call out, talking about, um, you know, not avoiding self-centered prayers. Right. Uh, I also said, speaking in tongues stimulate faith. Now, let's get into it. Five to go. These ones are quite short, uh, and then this should be able to lead us to the end of this season. So this should be season one, knowing the Holy Spirit, because this is the, uh, today is the 15th path, right? So I've been teaching this for nearly, for over three months now. Yeah, so uh, I was speaking to someone yesterday. I said, you know, that's what I've thought in the past 15 weeks there about now, probably back in the days, I've done it in four weeks. But when it comes to helping people understand and making it applicable to our lives, it's a lot of work. Amen. Now, point number five. 
No, point number six. One, two, three, six, yes. So it's a way to keep yourself from the contamination or profane element of the world. It's quite long, but let me try to, let me shorten it for you. Now, speaking in tongues help you to withdraw yourself from, or from separate, uh, it helps you to separate yourself from the bad and again negative things that people are doing. Now, this is connected to the fact that speaking in tongues help you retain the consciousness that, that you carry God in you. Okay, so when you speak in tongues and you have that consciousness that God is inside of you because mm, the ability to pray in unknown tongues is given to us by the Holy Ghost in us. I'm trying not to be technical. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible. So let me, let me try to, let me, let me arrange it in sequence. So we are born again. We receive baptism in filling of the Holy Ghost and we are able to pray in tongues. So if we are not born again, if we don't receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, which is from God, a gift from God, we can't speak in tongues. So the source of being able to speak in tongues is God. So if we retain that consciousness and we practice praying in tongues often, that consciousness helps you to just withdraw from all of the negative, the profane things, the filthy things that people are doing in the world. You know, sometimes you go, for, you attend a party or sometimes you go to, you are meeting some Christians and, some, and they, they are doing some filthy, dirty things. But because you pray in tongues a lot, right, and you are accustomed to it, unconsciously you find yourself withdrawing. And um, another benefit about it is that, you know, it helps you to be able to speak to yourself. So the book of 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, let's quickly go there. 1 Corinthians, 20, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 to 27. 1426. So I'm reading the NIV. Excuse me. It reads, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word uh, of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. Uh, verse 28. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Now, the reason why I, I feel like calling this out is that... Um, I wanted to help us understand that you can speak in tongues to yourself. So let me jump, out, let me jump ahead of myself a little bit before I look at the remaining four um, points. Yeah, there are three kind of dimensions of speaking in tongues or three dimensions related to tongues. So there's praying in tongues. I was going to say four. There's praying in tongues. There's speaking in tongues. There's singing in tongues. And which is that one? And then there's speaking in tongues to yourself. So speaking in tongues to God, praying in tongues, singing in tongues, and speaking in tongues to yourself. Now, speaking in tongues to yourself is also a form of edifying yourself. Speaking in tongues to God is a form of prayer. Whereby you're talking, your consciousness is that I am talking to God. I want to have a conversation with him. I don't know what to, I don't know what to think about right now, but I feel I, should, I need to say certain things to God. And many times when you feel like you need to connect with God deeper, but you don't know how, the best thing is just to start speaking in tongues. So that note of speaking in, that time or that dimension of speaking in tongues is different from when you're actually praying in tongues or when you're in the workplace just, just want to keep yourself, want to keep your mind clean and clear. You're speaking tongues to yourself. Doesn't make any sense. So let me, let me take it again. So there's praying in tongues. You know, we come to church on Sunday or you're passing that devotion. You just want to pray. You want to defy yourself. You want to pray about things. You pray in tongues. And there are times whereby you want to have a conversation with the Father. You want to connect with him. You want to hear things about your life, what he's saying about certain things. And you don't know how to pray about it. How I go about it is just speaking in the Holy Ghost. Just, 
it's more of a conversation, but in tongues. And in those moments, there are things that God brings to my attention. And I think this should be the practice of a believer all the time. Because it's a way we tend to develop fellowship with the Father. So what we are used to most of the time is praying in tongues. But you got to talk to God. Have conversations with him. I've had time and instances whereby I'm dealing with a situation and I'm looking at the person and I'm praying and I'm speaking in tongues to myself. I'm speaking to the Father. I'm thinking, I need inspiration how to deal with this. So it's not praying, it's speaking to the Father. And many times when I'm at work and they are doing all manner of their craziness sometimes, right, I just mutter in tongues under my breath. So speaking in tongues um, don't always have to be loud. Uh, you, know, you, you can be walking past people, you can be in a quiet place, you can be with people and you're speaking in tongues under, under your breath. And it just takes you into a different sphere and you are seeing more than the people can see. Does it make sense? So praying in tongues in your Passing devotion, speaking to the Father, speaking to yourself in order to just isolate yourself from all of the profane things around you, and that you can also sing in tongues. Amen. So uh, that's in First Corinthians fourteen. So this another point. Uh, when we speak in tongues, we give thanks well. You know, I was talking about singing in tongues. Now let's look at First Corinthians fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. Uh, fifteen. So last week, Jasmine said that. Um, she, that people, she's had people sing in tongues. And I said, open your Bible. Let's go there. And, and I, I, I nearly started singing. I think I sang a little bit. And it sounded nice, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. So let's take verse 15. 1 Corinthians 14. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. You know what? Let me start. Let's take, let's take it from 14. Verse 14. Paul said, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my, but my mind is unfruitful. Let me explain it. When we are praying in the spirit, when we are praying in tongue, it's our spirit that is speaking, not our mind. Now, so when your mind is not able to articulate what you are saying, sometimes you feel you are saying nonsense, but you're not saying nonsense. It's your spirit speaking. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. So which means... You pray with your spirit, and you also pray with your understanding. It's, let no one lie to you when they say to you that it, 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 the only prayer you should do is pray in tongues. But times you need to educate your mind and help your mind to be conscious of the reality of the, of the spirit realm. So you, you, we pray and understand it sometimes to help our mind get it that we are in a spiritual world in a sense. Amen. Okay, let me, so that I don't, I, don't, I don't miss this. So one of the ways I pray and understand is I pick the word of God and I read out the epistles, right? And I pray in tongues on the epistles. So the Bible says in the book of Ephesians 1.7, it said, in him, Ephesians, Ephesians 1.7, I didn't want to leave here, but I'll come back here. Let's go to Ephesians 1.7. Verse 7. just want to give us an example. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. Sometimes I pick that alone to re-educate my mind, to train my mind to understand that I've been redeemed, I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. My sins have been forgiven. So many times I repeat this to myself over and over. I'll pray in tongues. I'll repeat to myself over and over. And I was reading the book of John chapter 1 to chapter 3 yesterday and it, was, and it felt like I've never read it before. So we need to constantly, continuously read and educate our mind to help us to retain a consciousness of the life of God in us. Another one is, let's look at Colossians 2, 9 and 10. 9, 10. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. 9 says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Man, I can spend 20 minutes on that verse alone. Speaking it to myself, praying in tongues about it. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to get it in my mind to be able to see the fullness of God in Jesus. So when I say in the name of Jesus, my mind can quickly connect it that this is all of the power of God in that name and I expect results. Let me take it again. Now, 
One of the reasons why I will see instant results when I pray in Jesus' name, and some people don't receive results, is because of the meditation that I've done and the consciousness that I carry about the power in the name of Jesus. So many people, the name of Jesus is just something they say to finish their prayer. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. No, 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 no. Because when you say in Jesus' name, what you are saying is that you are enforcing all of the authority that that name carries. The Bible says all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto him, right? And the Bible says and he has given the name that's above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every name must bow. So when you get the power encoded in that name, when you meditate on this kind of verse and you pray in tongues and it sinks inside of you, when you face a situation and say, you know what, in the name of Jesus, get out. Things move. Because of our time, but let me quickly give us an, exa- an example. I think I've shared it with you guys before. So I met this guy was running after me in the workplace, not where I'm working right now, previously. He's a pastor, pastor. I've never started pastoring then. I said, how can I help you? He said, he picks that I'm a pastor. I said, I'm a pastor, but I preach the gospel. And he said, he's been struggling with suicidal thoughts for the past three weeks. I said, that, okay. I said, that's a small thing. And I was smiling. I said, you know what? I'm going to Sainsbury's right now. I'm going to just want to get my breakfast. I'll come and deal with this later on. Because I was so hungry. So I was coming back from Sainsbury's and the Holy Spirit said, you got you to gotta pray with this guy. I said, you know, I'm hungry. I won't pay attention. He said, you got to pray with this guy. So I went after him. I called him. I said, okay, now listen to me. So let's step aside a little bit. It's in a workplace. You can't, this is, guys, I hope you're getting it now. Somebody is going through suicidal thoughts, and they said to me that he nearly jumped on the train track that morning. He said he was so close to doing that. And I was smiling because they just said, those things are not big deals, you know. Honestly, it's not. But you may be thinking, like I can see the shock on your face, like, what well, this is someone's, those things, suicidal thoughts, all those, those things are, they are basic. Yeah, we've dealt with some serious matter. I've had demon face me, want to fight me. You know, that one is a small one. Right, so I said, okay, step aside. And this is, the, I was working in the financial services then, banking, you know, highly regulated environment and that kind of stuff. I looked at him in the eyes and I was able to quickly discern what spirit was it. I said, in the name of Jesus, get your, mind, get your hands off this mind right now. And I saw him stagger. I said, how do you feel? He said, he felt like something just left him. Eight months later, that was a hand of suicidal thoughts in that guy's life. When I was going home in the evening after work, I, I heard his voice from the second floor laughing. That was a man that, was, that could have been dead in the morning. How did I, in one sentence, send out that demonic spirit that was going to take the life of the man? The man was not, he's not a Christian, he's not even a born again. It was even an allergy. I didn't even realize, I didn't know later, later on. An allergy is one of those guys, um, top guys in the, in the Islamic faith who have gone to Hajj to Mecca and stuff like that. Because Jasmine may not be familiar with this. Um, anyway, one sentence, one word, one command, one authority, and that was a hand. That man, if I had not met him, probably would be dead now. He said for three weeks, he's been struggling with it. To the point that the, the demons were going to push him on the train track. To be run over by an oncoming train. So what am I talking about? We pray with our understanding. At that point in time, my spirit was involved, but my mind was also conscious of the power and authority I carry. Because verse 10 of it says, and in Christ you have been brought to a fullness. He is the head over... Okay, well, I like how NKJ put it. He said, you are complete in him who is the head of principality and power. I'm getting too excited and to, to calm down. So we pray with our spirit, we pray with understanding because we have, to, we have to train our mind to retain the consciousness of the authority we carry in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's carry on. So, uh, where did I stop? So I was talking about when we pray in tongues, we give thanks well, right? Uh, okay, I was talking about the fact that we sing in tongues, right? One of the best ways you give thanks to God is by praying in tongues with the consciousness of the fact that you want to give thanks. Guys, I've been in church for some time now. I know how we go to church on Sundays. And you dance like David danced so that God can bless you. Those are, when I stood there, you know that I'm about to use a very strong word. But maybe I can borrow it. But they are stupid. Thanksgiving. They're stupid. And Ibukun, I'm not, I'm not saying you should then start calling every dance stupid out there. You hear that, Ibukun? Yeah. Yeah, it's just stupid. It's nonsense. 
You know why? You know why it's stupid? It's nonsense because you are going to dance so that God can give you. It's a transaction. It's not sincere. It's not genuine. So dance like David danced. And then people will be dancing so that God can do. Did they even know how David danced? What if the guy was just, you know, in his regalia robe and was just flexing around? Did they see David dance? Who ever saw how David danced? And people will come and do some calisthenics, some gymnastics in the church so that God can... How many people have been blessed or have received a prayer to the answer because they danced? That Christianity is, 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 it is, it is flawed. You do something so that God can bless you. Why, did you do, why didn't you do enough prior to your salvation so that Jesus can die for you? And many ministries are... They are, they are making money of those things. Uh, so, so, um, covenant day of breakthrough, covenant day of deliverance, covenant day of this, covenant day of that. And people come and do something in church so that God can bless them. People have been defrauded. Hence, people don't have a close relationship with the Father because they have been schooled to see God for what he can give, not for who he is. People don't understand that the reason, why you, the reason why we are in a relationship with the Father is so that we can call him our Father. We can receive that right to be called a child of God. So that we can receive eternal life. So that we can come into union with him. Many things that many Christians are going to church to get, unbelievers are getting them without prayer, without fasting. And that's why when many Christians go and preach to the unsaved words to come and get something, they are not paying attention because they can easily get those things. I'm asking, how many tithes has Jeff, Jeff, uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, how many tithes and offering have they given? How many? And I thank God who opened my eyes to see many of these things before we started church because I will have struggled a lot. How many? So I give to God, and I give quite some decent, to be honest with you guys. Uh, some, one day when I, was doing, when I was calculating how much I give on a regular basis to uh, what I give in a year, to church, I'm like, Lord, this will buy a buy to let, and I know how much I'll be making out of the money. But I choose to give it. Is it convenient? It's easy. No, but the Lord is my source. And I've not started yet, because I'm going to a point where I want to be able to give 50% of my income to God, and I'm talking about millions now. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm any millions now, I'm saying at that time, right, what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say. Amen. And the more I stretch myself to give, I realize that Money loses grip on me. Right? And I'm able to trust God for open doors to give me inspiration. So instead of me trying to save all of the pennies and everything else, what I do is I'd rather give and trust God to open my eyes and mind. You know, for, and <laughs> to be honest, I do see breakthroughs. So I, I give a certain percentage of my income on a regular basis, but I, I try not to call it tight. Because Titan is not in the New Testament. What Paul recommended was that people should give based on the generosity of their heart. So when a believer is very generous, they will give more than 10%. When the believer really understands the given nature of God, we'll give more than 10%. We'll train ourselves. And that's why we ensure that our giving is to a church who is actually ministering the gospel. Because when you don't really care about your giving, you can put your money anywhere. Amen. When I realized the pastor stopped preaching the gospel and conducting himself properly, I stopped giving. And the same standard here. We give to what is of the Lord. Paul said that it's God, God demanded that you know, people who, live, who preach the gospel must live or should live of the gospel. So pastors, teachers who preach the gospel they are supposed to live of the gospel. But that is if they are preaching the gospel. But many people are given to pastors and churches who are not even preaching the gospel, so they are wasting their money. When a pastor comes and is talking about private jet and all manner of things, and he says, you know what, I bought this good research, I bought this, you know, let me pray into your life so that God can do that for you. Guys, you are losing your money, you are wasting your money. You are, you are, you are, you are funding in discipline and... Calm down. You are funding in discipline... You know, the words that come to my mind are not usually very nice like that, but so I'm trying to calm down. You're funding in discipline and stupidity. Yeah, that's what you're funding. You are funding that lifestyle, covetousness, greed. You're funding it. 
But that's not, what, that's not where God asks you to put your money. How do we get that? But that's fine. Amen. Praise God. So when we speak in tongues, we give thanks well. Right, so how so we don't give thanks now? And I, I know how I go here. We don't give thanks to God so that God can bless us. No, we give thanks to God for what is done for us in Christ Jesus. If you want to be financially rich, go and learn how to do business, go and learn how to upskill yourself and get a better job. Work, do the work. I know how many books and materials and training I've consumed in the past 18 months. And I can see the impact on my salary, my income. When I become a CEO or something in a few years to come, people should not scream and shout, how possible? How many years of experience does he have? The question is, can you deliver what I deliver? And that knowledge did not, I did not sit in the dream. Ask my wife. The days I finish work or I finish from a learning or training, and I'm so tired. Sometimes three days I'm still trying to recover from intense study, trying to understand it, I map everything out until I connect it. Because I don't believe in all these certifications where you just get certified and you say you believe you can do the job. No. I would do it and I make sure that I have the result. And I'm a pastor. And I'm married. Amen. Okay. Praise God. So walk. So don't give thanks so that God can bless you. Amen. Rather go and walk. Because you know you are blessed, go and walk, you will see results, and then you come and give unto the God, unto God. Don't give to God to get, give to God because for, for things for, for as an expression of appreciation. I repeat, don't give to God to get, give to God as a, as an as, a, as an expression of your appreciation because you are blessed already. So you use that blessing to experience the su- supernatural supply. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians 1:3 that you know, Thanks be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Not that he will bless you. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord make it rich and had no sorrow. You are blessed. So you have, to, you have to retain that consciousness that you are blessed and go out and get things done. Work. Amen. I repeat, nobody except people who have um, health challenge should be a liability to the church. If anybody comes to me and they say they have a need, well, I can, we can sort them out very quickly. But at the same time, my wife knows we are fixing your CV. We are looking, thinking about the training you should do to get a job. We have somebody at some point to get a job. You know, they've been, they've been, they've been having a job for a long time. And I said, you know what, this is what you need. This is what you need to do. I helped her fix the CV. A few things we had to do there and there. Do a quick training. And this person got a job. The job they got was paying about 400 pounds a day and stuff like that. That's what I believe in. And they can look after their family. When I had some people could not, you know, they, they couldn't get a job. I did this training for some, some guys for six weeks. It was so intense and so tiring for me but what I know is if I teach you what you need to know and how to make money you can be independent and look after your family look after yourself not that we are giving you hand what handouts in church no it's see it is on how do I which horn shall I use that is pure and nice right okay it is I don't say unprofessional I don't want to say it's ungodly, but it's kind of ungodly. It doesn't look like God that a person is going to church to get handouts for church. No, because you're supposed to be given to God's work. Not that we don't look after the poor among us, you know, that's it. But we have to help the poor to be able to, you know, earn, look after themselves. Come on. It's going to strain the church if a lot of people are coming to church to get from the church. And you're not helping the people. Amen. You're not helping the people. You have to help people not to be mentally lazy. I was asking God when I said, God, how do we help the poor? He said, help them to change their thinking. I repeat, help them to change their thinking. So I can give first two, three, pay people's rent, maybe two months, three months. But from there, they have to be independent. Amen. Church money should go into missions and a lot of things that need to be done, but not that. We put people on payroll who are doing nothing. Other thing, we create jobs in the church. Come and do this. And sometimes they don't want to come in. Transmaster is going to be very challenging for some people because I'm not just going to put people on payroll to do quack job for me. You do courage, you're professional. I will train you. And I want excellent standard. People know me. The customer service has to be excellent. So some people, you know, all this living on benefit, benefit, benefit thing. 
I'm not saying you should run away from Transmaster because you're on benefit, but I'll be looking to kick you up that system in six months. Do you know what benefit is? People who cannot afford it. It's a system for people who cannot, not people who will not. But unfortunately, many people exploiting the system are the people who will not. Do you know how many times, how many months and years people were telling me to go seek benefit? Christians working. Teaching me how to beat the system when I was still new in the country. How to beat the system. Telling me I ought to go and get a council flat. I don't want a council flat. Why? I don't want it. There's a, there's a dickiness in the particular church who tried to talk us into it and my eyes was open one day. Why a council flat? Why can't I build estates? Why can't I build properties? Why can't I build buildings that people will buy and live in it? Why must I be thinking a council flat? Why? I am blessed of God. I'm a child of God. The creative ability of God is in me. Why should the unbeliever be thinking about how to make things good for themselves and solve other people's problems and I'm going to beg? No, no. David said, I, am, I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaking noise, the begging bread. I don't beg. Amen. I thank God since we got married, I have never borrowed money from anyone, and it will never happen. Because God, I always work with God where there's a need. He prepares my mind. I get into it. I take a training. I stretch myself. I do something. My salary, boom. I asked my wife one day, guys, we're going to go over time today. Get ready for this, please. I, asked, I don't know. This is very, I didn't plan all of that. I don't know what's going on here. You know, I know we're going to start a family. When we decided to start trying to start a family, when we said, okay, let's or well, when we were just about to, and that's a number of, just a couple of years ago, when we were about to like, okay, okay. I said, how much do, would we need to run the home? And we pulled out the Excel spreadsheet and we looked at all our expenses, how much we want to save, how much we give to church, how much would you give to ministry and kind of stuff. And we, we got a number. The moment we got the final number, the next thing I was thinking in my mind is how I'm going to hit it. But you know what? I've exceeded it. I've exceeded it by, I think, about, uh, about 8,000 pounds there about. And I'm going to go far much more. Amen. Yeah. I would, rather, I would rather follow that approach than thinking of how to, ah, come on. Yes, you carry too much value and worth to be begging. You are the one, you are the light of the world. You are the one who has been, who has been you, naturally, people have the creative ability of God. Believers, because you have the Holy Ghost, you have a supernatural ability, creative ability of God on the inside of you. It should not be hard of believers that they won't beg you. No. And I know some guys will have a problem with this, but that's a problem. But I'm telling you what will make you, what will put you in a position whereby you, you, you don't feel like something else is controlling you. If you can, if... If a person can be giving you handouts, you, you, you dance to their tune. You do what they ask you to do. You are never free. Amen. Okay, so guys who, use, who go to church will go and give thanks to God so that um, God can bless them. You see what you've cost. But I believe that today you are repenting in Jesus' name. Three more points to go. We'll we finish this today. Amen. So, um... Speaking in tongues is a way to pray for things you are not aware of. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, in John chapter 16, verse 13. He said, it will tell you about things that are yet to come. My walking with God helped prepares my mind. When I'm praying in tongues, it tells me about what is coming. You know, uh, I was praying a few, uh, few weeks ago, I think, and God told me some guests are going to come on, on the scene again because these people cause issues, they cause problems. And lo and behold, a few days after, somebody contacted my wife, we need to have a conversation. I said, you told me they are coming again. It will tell you things to come, both positive and negative. You know, when, the, when some evil incident happens on people's lives, the first thing I'm thinking is, God must have told them somehow. Most of the time it's because we are not paying attention. But God, as a father, will not say the enemy plotting a scheme for you and not tell you. He will. But if you are praying self-centered prayer, selfish prayer, prayer God bless me or go and dance unto the Lord like David danced so I can bless you, you will not hear because you are only thinking of what you can get. 
Or you are going to think of how you can, how you can break the system to get benefit or get on council flat. I'm, see, I don't, see, I'm not condemning anyone living in a council flat. Right? I'm not condemning anyone. But I, I think I got, I got a bit emotional. Uh, not emotional. I got, it just tickled me again how this uh, woman was trying to, you know, trying to really, really, instead of helping me to go up, was helping me to come down. He said, what's wrong with council flat? And I said to my wife, and because my wife, we're trying to get secure a council flat that she's been living in. It's a long story. And I just got upset that day. I said, I said why? Why do you want to live in a council flat? Why don't you stretch yourself and trust God and go and create? Friends, we should be the one giving buildings to the government to look after the poor. Now we're going to beg the government to look after us. Doesn't it make you feel sick? No. No. If I was living in a council flat today, you know that in the next one or two years, I'm out of that place. No. The grace and the goodness and the, uh, the grace and the goodness of God in my life is too big. Council flats cannot contain it. He said, "I will lend unto nations and borrow from none." People, are, I mean, I can pick in my heart. People are condemning it and say, but what if, what if? I don't give a rip. Congratulations. It's your choice. And, and I respect everybody's choice. But I refuse to. I mean, I refuse to. Imagine 70% of my church thinking council flat, earning maybe 10,000 or 8,000 pounds, and we have, and we are having hundreds of young people coming to the church, and we are all meant to give into it. How are we going to give sufficiently to that work? No. Imagine I have a thousand young people in my church right now. And you know what? It, do you know what it means to keep young people? Keep them active, keep them engaged. Systems, programs to run for them, to get rid of this teenage, preg uh, teenage pregnancy issue. I was in the city center yesterday, and I saw a lot of young, young kids. I was asking myself, am I watching a music video of Rihanna, Beyonce, and the rest, or am I... Or am I in Music Kings? I was speaking to my mom on the phone and I was like, I don't understand. Is this a music video? Is it a camera somewhere shooting music video? Because I saw one with a bomb shot and she still opened the, the zip. I'm like, I don't understand. And all of them are like, I don't, I, I don't understand. Am I in a brothel? I don't understand. But they have time in their hand. But that's another conversation for another day. Do you know what it takes to run a, a young adult ministry? We're talking about tens, hundreds of thousands of pounds to keep them engaged, to take knife off the street. Do you know what, how much it costs? So when I have, a, a, say I have a 300 member church and um, 290 are very comfortable with their council flat and um, what they can give is just maybe 20 pounds, 10 pounds, and God is good. I'm going to struggle to some extent. If I was living of the economy or living of the finance of the church, and I'll not be able to do that work properly because I'm not thinking about bringing in money to look after my family. I'm thinking of I need a lot of money to be able to help these young people. So there's no excuse for anyone to want to live a low life. And we're not talking about going to take a stressful job, but, for, but change that mindset for because some people don't do a demanding job like I do, but they understand the principle of investment. They know where to put their money. They know the kind of trade they can do. They have a side also bringing them some money that's even more, what, more than what I'm earning a month. But start with the mindset. Getting rid of that poverty mindset. Amen. When I watch this message again, I will find out how we got here, but something is happening today. Amen. Praise God. Right, so things to come. I don't believe that God will see the devil plan a scheme for you and not tell you about it. Praying in tongues is one of the ways we will always see it. You will know something is coming. You may not be able to articulate it, but the Holy Spirit will guide you as to what to do or what not to do. Then later on, you may see the reason why. So you have to, to go very quickly. Um, Isaiah chapter 28, talks 11 and 12. You can read that later on. The Bible talks about uh, that this is a rest, this is a refreshing. Now, what, the summary of it is this. Praying in tongues is one way we can experience the rest of God. So if you had experienced the rest of God, 
Now, God has given us rest in Christ Jesus. But life happens, things happen. But praying in tongues can help you to be in that state of rest, regardless of what's going on around you. Amen. And finally, uh, which is similar to a few things I've covered earlier on. So praying in tongues helps you to get better at yielding yourself to God. It helps you get better at yielding yourself to God, giving yourself to the instructions of God, doing what God wants you to do. It's a supernatural experience that I cannot really, I can't really explain. You know, uh, the book of James, chapter 3, I think 7 to 10, tells us about the tongue, how, power, uh, how ruthless the tongue can be and how difficult it might be to be able to control the tongue. And James told us there that, you know, I feel in my heart that we should read it. I feel there's a word for someone there. James 3, 7 to 10. Now, the Bible says, I'm going to read this quite quickly. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil for, full of deadly poison. Now, it's talking about the natural um, unsaved people's tongue, right? What they say. You hear all manner of profanity and all manner of stuff out there. It tells you how, how horrible their tongue can be when they're not saved. But listen to this. Verse 9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in, the, in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This should not be. We should not be swearing all kind of things that are going on out there. The language of the people of the world should not be our language. Yeah. Husband and wife. Husband, don't call yourself the dirty name that people call their wives in the world in a sexual context. No. She's not. She's not a female dog. The adults can get it. And some all kind of dirty and feuding names that people in marriage call themselves, which they have picked up from the world. No. I'll teach more words and the words will speak in future. Amen. So, if we want to be able to yield ourselves to God, praying in tongues helps us a lot in doing that. Amen. So, that brings us to the end of season one of knowing the Holy Spirit.